are back on air for Fanfare Racing's NASCAR Race Preview with Hot Topic Sound Off today. Uh, and joining me for our show today is our co-host, Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Okay, I think Jay's here. Jay, can you hear me? Okay, I'm not sure where, what happened with Jay. Um, okay, so I'm going to go ahead and continue talking here until we can figure out what's going on um, and take it from there. Okay, so we're going to, in our first half hour today, we are going to be talking about the Arkham Menards uh, series, the East and the West, primarily the East and some Wayland Modified that's going to be taking place this uh, this coming week or two. Uh, and then we'll get into some short track racing, uh, the World Series of Asphalt Racing out at uh, New Smyrna Speedway starts up uh, very soon. So definitely looking forward to all of that. Um, all right, so... Uh, uh, Jay, can you hear me? Brought him into the queue. I'm not sure why he can't hear me. Um, okay, we're trying to figure this out, so we'll, he's going to call back in. It looks like. Uh, so at the top of the, at, actually in the next half hour, we are going to have Brian Everway come on. He's rejoining our fan for racing crew for the 2022 season. And we'll talk a little bit about Brian, uh, what he's going to be doing at fan for racing, any tracks that he might be going to in the uh, upcoming season. And uh, he'll also help us lead into our uh, preview of the clash at the Coliseum. I'm so excited for that race. It's history breaking and uh I'm I'm definitely looking forward to it. Jay, can you hear me? Yep, I have can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. <laughs> okay. Well okay. the first time I was hearing you and I was I was checking everything on my end, so I just called back in, so we got it reconnected. Okay, good. I'm so glad. Um so, yeah, given the overview, uh, just to say at, when we're finished with this first hour, during the second hour, we'll have our Hot Topic Sound Off segment with the Fan for Racing crew. And joining Jay and I for that segment will be both Andy Lasky and Mike Rizal. So definitely looking forward to our uh, podcast today. And uh, Jay will get right into the Arkham and Art series. Uh, there's a couple of... Uh, races that are coming up before we do our next show. And one is the Wheel and Modified Race at New Smyrna Speedway. The other is the ARCA East Season Opener, also at New Smyrna Speedway. Uh, And so we're going to talk a little bit about uh, uh, both of those races and what's going on in the Arkham and Art Series this season. So uh, one of the things for racing. Oh, with the, as it pertains to the Arkham Menard series? Yeah, with the Arca East and the West, 
those races are going to be on Flow Sport Racing. You can stream those races. And I checked out the pricing. It comes out to 12 something, 12 and some change every month uh, to subscribe to Flow Sport Racing. But you'll be able to live stream uh, when they don't have the national television coverage. Now, some of the races will have national coverage on Fox Sports 1 or MAV TV. Uh, it looks like Flow Sport is also going to be available when MAP TV uh, has the coverage. But uh, another thing that's new this year is that the tape delay of the races will be on USA. So that's something really new this season. Well, a couple a couple of things there. First off, I thought you said Thor Sport Racing. That's why, and I just read the uh, the topic of Mike put up for. Uh, Hot topics, so that's why that was on my head. Um, oh, apologize for that. <laughs> yeah, flow yeah, racing. Okay. Uh, I'm f- I'm familiar with as they do a lot with dirt track racing. So uh, to see them expand into the Arkham Menards East series, East and West series, as well as some other dirt tr- uh, short track grassroots racing, really excited yeah. about for the year. I think they've made a great move. The partnership they've made with NASCAR on the Arca East and West. I think is a huge move. Uh, I know I hear some things back and forth about, you mentioned the cost. I mean, when you break it down, I mean, seriously, if it's $12 per month to get all that racing, if you're a race fan and that's what you want, that is definitely a value uh, worth it, worth its money. So that's great yeah. and exciting news. I do like I it. I think it uh, comes you know, out to less than a dollar a race when you look at all of the racing that's available. Well, and any any streaming app like that, when you look at it, the overall content you get, yeah. Uh, again, I know it's an expenditure. expenditure um, has to be worked into your budget. I, I fully understand that. I know my dad has had it for a couple of years, actually. Uh, I'm going to talk to him when I talk to him this week about what he gets out of it. Uh, maybe even now being watching a little more Arca East and West, uh, which he hasn't necessarily in the past. Mm-hmm. The other, yeah, keep in mind too, the other thing. If you, well, okay, yeah. What ahead. were you going to say? I'll let you say what you're going to say first. Well, the other topic you mentioned that USA, USA, and I, I know I watched some oh. of the coverage from the 24 Hours of Daytona, the Rolex 24 Hours of Daytona, because we had this on our hot topics a couple times last year. I thought USA did a great job. Yeah, they used some of the NBC crew still but did a great job with that. I know that was a concern to some fans as far as USA covering races. I thought they did a great job with that, with covering the Rolex 24 hours. Yeah, split screen during commercials and and a lot of really great things there. Uh, I was pleased with it as well. Uh, Another thing, though, in regard to flow racing and the tape delay on USA, uh, if you don't have flow racing, you can still get – uh, race Central at ArcaRacing.com, and they usually have the radio coverage available there as well. So, and that's free of cost, free charge. So you don't have to pay anything for that. So that way you can still stay on top of what's happening in the Arca East and West. Uh, but let me start with uh, Tuesday, February the 15th. At New Smyrna Speedway, the Arkham Menard Series East will have their season opener. Uh, again, it is on a Tuesday. So I really want to bring that to everybody's attention because it's an unusual day of the week for racing. It is going to be available on Flow, 
Flow Racing and ArcaRacing.com. And uh, the tape delay will be on USA, so you'll need to check your local listings to find out exactly when that tape delay is. Uh, It starts at 7.40 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, to kind of uh, kick off the ARCA East season there at New Smyrna. Uh, we mentioned the Whalen Modified. Uh, they also are racing uh, at New Smyrna on Saturday, February the 12th. That's actually before that New Smyrna race. And it's all part of the Asp- World Series of Asphalt Racing that's going to be at New Smyrna from, uh, let's see, I think it goes from the 11th all the way through to the 19th. So it, there's a uh, a lot of racing going on during that week. And there's an example of where Flow Sports is really going to help out because a lot of that racing, I believe, will be available on Flow Sports. You know, if I if I had the ability to tell you, uh, take some vacation time and, and head over that way, that would be a target area for this time of year. And one of the tar- uh, bucket list things for me isn't even a NASCAR race particular. It is the Wheeland Modifieds. I would love to see them. I, I missed the opportunity to see them when they came to Bristol, and, and they ran as part of the uh, Bristol week when they would do the four all four events at Bristol. Um, I regret missing that because I think the Wheeland Modified is one of the, one of the best classes within the NASCAR brand. Um, when you look at some of the drivers, Mike Stefaniak just going into the Hall of Fame, some of the other drivers we've seen come out of the Modified Series, uh, especially on some of these shorter tracks, talking about the grassroots racing, seeing these guys on these shorter tracks, uh, just phenomenal racing. Yes, indeed. And that leads me to kind of announce as well that here on Fan for Racing Radio, we plan to have more short track racing coverage throughout the season. Uh, In addition to talking about the ARCA racing during our first half hour of our shows, we'll also be including short track racing and hopefully get some of the short track stars here on our radio show as well. So uh, watch for more of that throughout this season. I know, uh, I know you and Sal talked about this, especially from the West Coast, uh, the guests we've had. We've had a couple, I know, that come out of Florida um, around times like the Snowball Derby. But, yeah, covering them throughout the year rather than just at particular highlighted events. Uh, again, Flow Racing taking that step here at Fan for Racing, trying to do the same and keep up with it, I think, again, is, is a great thing. And see that we, we've talked about that interaction between dirt track racing and asphalt racing. I know there's always different sides to that, but if you're a race fan, you know, you want it all, and we want to try and provide that. Absolutely. Now, starting here with, uh, we talked about the Wheeland Modified Race. Again, that race will be on Saturday uh, at New Smyrna Speedway. If you want more information, head over to NewSmyrnaSpeedway.org. You can get your tickets there, and uh, you want to check out the schedule for the entire asphalt of racing, and we'll cover that in a little bit. But I want to get into the Race to Stop Suicide 200 presented by Place of Hope. That is the ARCA East season opener that's taking place on Tuesday, February the 15th at New Smyrna Speedway, which is a half-mile paved oval. Uh, Again, the race starts at 
7.40 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, they'll be running 100 miles over 300, I'm sorry, 200 laps. Again, if tape delayed on USA, you'll have to check your local listings. We don't have a time yet. Uh, it's also available live on Flow Sport and ArcaRacing.com. Uh, I'm looking to see if we've got an entry list here yet. Uh, for that race. I'm going to check that out here real quick because uh, I'd like to hit some of the uh, people that are going to be at that race. And I don't see, yeah, I don't see an entry list yet, Jay. So I was we'll say, if you find it, let me know where because I, I wasn't finding the, the entry <laughs> list either. Okay, so, uh, but you'll remember that last year Sammy Smith won the championship in the ARCA East, and uh, he's with Toyota Racing and uh, Joe Gibbs Racing, so uh, we're hoping we can reach out to him and have him be on the show uh, sometime after that new Smyrna race. So uh, we'll see if he's going to be racing in the series this year. I believe that he is, uh, but uh, we'll find out. You can also get a lot of information about what's happening in the ARCA East and West as well as the ARCA Menard Series over at ARCAracing.com. You know, things like Jamie Little and Phil Parsons are leading the ARCA broadcast team uh, for this year. Uh, When we did our last show, Jay, we didn't have the Suchi Showdown schedule. They have that now, so you can find out what are the 10 races that are going to be covered during that ARCA uh, Sioux Chief Showdown this season. It's all part of the ARCA Menard Series schedule. Uh, and uh, Greg Van Alt just have a great start with the free race practice charts. Frankie Munoz is uh, uh, racing at Daytona, so that's kind of big news. Uh, Tony Breidinger is with Venturini this year. And we've been talking about flow sports. So a lot of really great things happening here. Oh, and also the broadcast schedule. So you know exactly where to go to watch all of the races uh, in this season for the Arkham Menard Series. East and West. Well, and the one thing I will say, will say with this new Smyrna race, the historic history uh, on that track and, and the part it plays in NASCAR at this level of the Arkham Menard East, and it may not be like the Daytona of the biggest race of the year for them, but really setting the season. And we saw that last year with, with Sammy Smith and the battles he had in those first two races and kicking off the season. I mean, such a big factor when it comes and their schedule only being uh, nine races, I believe, this year. Uh, I'm, I was looking on the east side of how many races they have for the year. The, the importance of each and every race, so especially that first race getting kicked off putting that momentum into under your side and carrying it through the season. Exactly. Uh, we're going to get into New Smyrna Speedway in depth here in our next, uh, as part of our short track coverage. Uh, they've already started their season with the Red Eye 50-50, the Dave Rogers Super Late Model uh, event, and, uh, and some other events that they had there. Bubba Pollard uh, tops the list for the Super Late Models. Um, and uh, that's pretty exciting. They ran that race uh, on uh, January the 8th, 
And you may have seen some coverage from that with Bubba Pollard uh, being at the top of that list. But you also had some Arkham Menard Series drivers who were in that race, uh, including Jesse Love and Daniel Dye, uh, who finished in the top five there. So that gave them an opportunity to kind of get some experience on this new Smyrna Speedway track uh, before their races come up uh, as part of the Arkham Menard Series, uh, Arca East. Uh, now, Jay, let's go to the uh, all of the things that are happening as part of the World Series of Asphalt. Uh, there are eight, nine, nine nights of racing <laughs> at New Smyrna Speedway. Like I said, if you're in that area or can take vacation and time to go over there, I mean, that would be an ideal location. If you're a big race fan like uh, like we are here at Fan for Racing, uh, to be able to get any kind of event and coverage like that. But backing up, you're talking about the, uh, excuse me, the, the prior race, Bubba Pollard. Obviously, when you talk about late model racing, always going to be at the top of that <laughs> list. But you mentioned to see some of these ARCA drivers getting that track time, um, to see them mix in. And that's part of what you get with the short track racing. We talk about that Kyle Busch uh, coming back for the Snowball Derby, the Slinger Nationals, races like that that these top guys go back to and race in. It is not to cherry pick. It is not to beat up on the little guy. I mean, it just adds to the event when you have these top stars that come back like that to these events. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. And that's why some of these big events like this World Series of Asphalt that covers nine nights of racing, it's kind of on a big stage because it, it precedes uh, what's happening at Daytona with the Daytona 500 and all of the series coming back to the Daytona track. Uh, this uh, New Smyrna track is not that far away. And so they get a lot of visibility with the World Series of asphalt nights. Uh, they have their opening night on the 11th, uh, the Day Broder Super Late Model, so that includes uh, drivers like Bubble Pollard and some of the other uh, ARCA drivers. Uh, the Pro Late Models, the JNC Gradle Modified, and the Sportsman uh, and Bomber A. Uh, on the 12th, Night two, it's the Wayland Modified Tour 200, so we're, that's the feature on that particular night. Uh, that's on February the 12th. On February the 13th, you've got the Super Sunday 602 Mod 75 uh, for the feature event. On the 14th, night four, we go into the Clyde Hart Memorial Super Late Model 100, uh, and on the 15th, it's the Arkham Art Series race. That's the one we were talking about, uh, the Arkham Art Series East on Tuesday the 15th. Uh, as a feature on the 16th is the John Blewett III Memorial Tour Modified 76. Uh, now, other series are racing all of these nights. We're just uh, highlighting the feature race. Uh, on the 17th, they have the shootout night the Florida Modified 75, and on the 18th, it's the Heart to Heart, that's H-A-R-T to H-E-A-R-T, PLM 100 and the Richie Evans Memorial, PM 100 for their feature. And on the 19th, it's 
uh, the Orange Blossom Super Late Model 100 for their feature, and that is the last night of the World Series of Altalia. You mentioned it earlier, Jay. If you are anywhere near New Smyrna Speedway during those days, get out there to the racetrack. You'll see a lot of the NASCAR drivers going to these races as well. well yeah, the crowd is... Yeah, I guess they would. Yeah, they would still be able to go. I'm I'm sure we'll see some of them sprinkled throughout there. And you mentioned a couple of the the main events there uh, as you talked about the features. Some of the other classes, the LKQ Superstocks, the Jack's Truck, sponsored by Ashley Holmes. I mean, these are things that to get to see these all in one week of racing. uh, You know, I was just looking at it. If if you were only to be able to pick one night, how would you pick the Arkham and Arts East on the 15th? you know, the super late models running, uh, looks like are they're running every night. Um, again, highlighted by a feature from different classes every night. I, I like the way they have that laid out. I really do. Yeah, I do too. I think, I think it's going to be fantastic. I wish I lived closer that I could go there, especially now uh, with uh, the six inches of snow we just recently <laughs> had and how cold it is now. Uh, it would be nice to be down in Florida. Um, but yeah, this is, this is a fantastic week of racing. Uh, it's one of the main, uh, short track racing events that take place in the country throughout the season. And what a great way to start out this 2022 season with this World series of asphalt, uh, uh, nine nights of racing out there at New Smyrna. Gets it gets me excited. I know you asked if I was ready uh, for racing, and we'd be talking about it as we've done some preview <laughs> stuff already. Uh, this just gets that blood flowing because, yeah, that would be a phenomenal event to attend. Uh, might have to put that on my bucket list for the next couple of years. And I'll tell you what, it is available. There are some races that are available. I mean, tickets that are available. So if you'd like to get tickets, uh, again, just go over to NewSmyrnaSpeedway.org. If you, uh, let's see, they have. Well, click on the schedule and results link, and in that link there to the right, there is a uh, icon tab for you to hit for buying tickets. And they show that tickets are available every single night uh, throughout the nine nights. So you can still get tickets. Uh, and I'd jump on that right away uh, if I was anywhere near New Smyrna. <laughs> well, I, I, know, I know I'm a little bit closer than you. Uh, that would take a little bit of planning. <laughs> but like I said, I think I'm going to have to uh, – Think about that and look at that for the for the next couple of years of uh, maybe getting over there for this opening week like that. Oh, that would be fantastic, Jay, if you could do that uh, as part of our fan racing crew and uh, give us some some firsthand uh, preview of what that's all about or review even. Well, okay. and I know here, I mean, we've had sporadic starts for the dirt tracks, but. Uh, we don't really start till uh, till March, so yeah, uh, I'm gonna have to do some serious thinking on that. We'll work on that. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm gonna head over to Racing America because uh, again, if you're a short track race uh, fan, Racing America does 
such a great job of covering a lot of the short track races that take place uh, throughout the season, and uh, they're a great resource. Uh, and they actually have ARCA Racing, not ARCA Racing, but Racing America TV there, where you can actually watch uh, some of the races uh, or the replays of a lot of the races that are taking place. So uh, just to kind of touch on some of these that are taking place between now and the next time we're going to be on, um, Jay, there are quite a few at Lakeview. Uh, they're going to be racing. They've got three or four days of racing there. The Dirt Car South of the Border Showdown starts on Thursday, February the 3rd. That's today and goes through through uh, Saturday, February the 5th. Uh, they've got three different showdowns. They've got two showdown races, and the shootout takes place on Saturday. So uh, that's another uh, race that you'll want to uh, definitely uh, take a look at because they uh, do a great job there. It's Lakeview Motor Speedway, and uh, it's... Uh, going to be uh, some awesome racing taking place there. That's in South Carolina. Obviously, right now we're talking about the Carolinas, but the, it's very regional. And as the uh, season progresses, Sharon mentioned it, uh, Racing America, a great place to get that, that schedule and see what's in your area and what you can attend in your area. I know for me, uh, when Sharon and I talked, Huntsville Speedway and Montgomery Speedway, two of the asphalt tracks that I've been to around me. Uh, as they get their season kicked off, I want to get in touch with them and see what coverage we can bring from them to uh, a grander stage here at Fan for Racing as we push the, the short track racing and grassroots racing. Exactly. They don't have start times yet, but there's a couple of other races that are coming up here in February. February 12th is a big day. Uh, you've got the SRL National Super Late Model Tour uh, at Citrus County Speedway. Uh, and so that's going to be uh, a fun race to watch. And uh, you definitely want to check that out and kind of keep your eye on when when that race starts and, and more details there. And then there's the Winter Heat Series number four, February the 12th, also on Saturday. Uh, again, we don't have a start time yet, but that's at All-American Speedway, uh, one of the big tracks here in the U.S. So both of those are big tracks here in the U.S. and uh, a couple of races that you really want to keep your eyes on. The other one, the other one that Mike and I talk about, um, both wanting to see, I saw a little bit of the, the Modifieds at Eldora when I was there. But if you're in the Northeast, the Big Block Modifieds, uh, Stuart Friesen does a, still does a lot of racing with them, as well as a couple other drivers. And I didn't see, I know Martin Truex and one other driver that talked about doing more dirt racing this year as they, they're going to return to Bristol on dirt. We've seen this in the past. Matt Crafton ended up buying a modified team and running it. So as the drivers have to adapt for that at the top level, using that as their practice session, how much they get involved in it, whereas Matt Crafton just wanted a few starts and he ended up owning a, a modified team. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, so thank you for that reminder because uh, that's kind of cool that you're, you could see some NASCAR Cup drivers at those events. Uh, now I want to also mention 
Uh, we're coming up to the next half hour here, and one of our own, Brian Aberley, is returning back to our Vampir Racing crew for the 2022 season. So he's going to be coming on here momentarily, and we're going to talk to him for about 15 minutes uh, about his experience in racing. He has a ton of it. And uh, also uh, what he's going to be doing at Vampir Racing and maybe even some of the tracks that he's planning to, ta- to attend. And then we'll get his thoughts about the Clash at the Coliseum just before we do our preview for the Clash at the Coliseum uh, for the NASCAR Cup Series. I'm super excited for that race, Jay. Yeah, you mentioned that historic, uh, history-breaking out there at the Coliseum. I know there's still a little bit of chatter on uh, social media about that, some fans in favor of it, some against it. you got to give it a chance. Uh, You know, they're trying something new. Uh, if it works, uh, and I think so far, I think it's been a, been a positive. You know, we, obviously we haven't seen the racing on track yet. The format they put a lot of thought into that. How they're going to go about that? It's always one of those, uh, you know, a few things. Just like I, I said, the Bristol Dirt Race. You know, yeah, first time there's going to be some kinks, some things they could look at and do better. Bristol's already made adjustments for that. So before you know, really downgrading it, let it happen. And from there, exactly. make some positive of encouragement of, hey, this could be better. And NASCAR will take it from there. You know, we've seen that before. They'll make the changes. They'll make some tweaks uh, to make it a better event. So, and we haven't even seen the first one. So how do we even know what needs to be better? And I have seen some media indicating that, uh, that this could be at the Clash. The Clash could be at the Coliseum for the next three or four years. So... Uh, you know, it's going to take that long for them to kind of work out some of those kinks that uh, Jay's talking about. But it sounds like they've put a lot of thought into this, uh, and uh, I can't wait for us to get into the preview. I don't want to give away too much. But, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be awesome. And, uh, you know, watch it with an open attitude, if you will, an open mind, if you will, and uh try to enjoy it for what it is uh, the first season. But I, don't you get the feeling, Jay, that this is going to be like walking into Indianapolis Motor Speedway, that aura of the L.A. Coliseum and everything that's taken place there, and now NASCAR for the very first time racing on the track there. It does. And I know Mike and I have gone back and forth with this both on the show and uh, outside Yes, there is is tradition. I understand that, that the class was always part of the Daytona Speed Weeks. Okay, but we've talked about that. Speed Weeks has been reduced down to one week with reason. That's what the drivers, this wear and tear on the drivers, they weren't getting an off-season. You were there for preseason testing in January. That's gone away. Then you were there for two to three weeks for Speed Weeks. That's been condensed down to a week. Drivers like Kevin Harvick had said, hey, that's renewed my vigor for racing. So you want to keep the fans happy, but you also got to keep the drivers happy, you know, and the crews and the teams. And the, like we talked about the wear and tear on them and how long the season is, how long, much longer can yeah. they go? Yeah, absolutely. There, there was, Our guest is here, so I really right. want to kind of bring him into the queue so that we've got uh, as much time as possible. Uh, Brian Aberley, we're so happy that you're coming back to our Fan for Racing Fold as part of our crew and uh, really happy that you were able to be on the show with us today so we could introduce you officially. 
Hey guys, thanks for having me. I'm excited to uh, to be here and, and talk all things racing all season long. Okay, and uh, I mentioned to Jay that uh, part of what, uh, well, first of all, before we get into that, I'm getting ahead of myself here. I, I'd like for <laughs> you to just kind of give <laughs> give our listeners a little bit of a uh, idea of what kind of experience, because I know you have some pretty big experience uh, covering NASCAR and short track racing and ARCA and so forth. Yeah, so just a quick overview. I mean, I kind of I've I've been a race fan since the late '90s when Jeff Gordon was kind of dominating the scene, and uh, went to my first race in '99 with my dad up at Michigan, and then just started going to every race at Chicagoland since it opened. And back in like 2012, I kind of got involved with just this fan crew thing and started interviewing a couple drivers as part of that for for Turner Scott Motorsports back then. And as part of that, just started being on Twitter more and, and doing a little bit of writing for the blog we had for them. That didn't really take off like we had hoped. And as they changed things around there, that, that kind of closed up, um, unfortunately. But then I kind of started writing for uh, Motor Racing Digest, just doing a couple races at the track and stuff here and there. And that's kind of taken off um, to 2016 through 2018. I was doing some pretty heavy coverage. I covered like 14 of the 20 ARCA races in person, really covered ARCA a ton in 2016. That's probably my, my highlight was being able to cover Chase Briscoe's championship season throughout the year and just mm. interact with him and try to tell those stories. Um, I love ARCA. I still love the ARCA series. It's not been quite as competitive the last couple of years, so it's been a little bit tougher to get as excited about, but I'm I'm hoping that can change around at some point. And then um, I've obviously been part of your show for several seasons back then. Um, haven't done much with it the last couple of years, but kind of getting back into it here. Um, this year, and I'm kind of excited to to be back at the racetrack and writing and talking about racing. Uh, my full-time job's in, in accounting, so that keeps me pretty busy uh, during the week, but definitely looking forward to talking motorsports at night on the show and being um, being at the track on the weekends. Okay. Well, we're definitely looking forward to it as well, Jay. <laughs> Jay, I am so sorry, Brian. We're looking forward to it as well. Um, and uh, I've been missing you because you're right you, we were interacting uh quite a bit back there in 17 and 18 and then all of a sudden um we, miss, we missed you for a year or two there but now we're ready to kind of uh, come back in full full blast for this 2022 season and uh we've talked to brian about co-hosting uh being a backup for uh south Sagala on monday nights and for jay on Thursday night, and you've done that with us before as well. Yeah, a little bit back in uh, 20, 2016, 2018, somewhere back in there. Yep, yep. And then also, uh, like you say, writing uh, for the website and then uh, uh, getting involved with maybe helping us uh, secure guests for our show. Um and what are some of the other things we talked about? Oh, coming on to the show during the first half hour to talk short track racing in ARCA. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. I'm looking forward to that. I'll I'll be at some of the uh, Midwest Tour races we've got here as well. They race out of Grundy County, which is pretty close to my home, and then um, Rockford Speedway, I believe, still, and then a couple other good good short tracks in southern Wisconsin. So I um, love getting out there as much as I can and would encourage anyone that's in and around this area to, to get out to those races too, because it's, it's some great stuff. And sometimes the stuff that fans want to see from NASCAR is the stuff that you can see at your local short track. So, you know, you want to see some more of that beating and banging, some more of those tempers, some more, you know, 
you don't want to see stage racing, any anything. You know, it's just it's different flavors for all of it, and I enjoy all of it from the local short track to dirt stuff to to the Cup Series. So it all has its kind of own unique nuances and flavor to it, in my opinion. Absolutely, and and I was talking to uh, Sal actually brought up the fact that it might be a good idea to include short track racing this season. He's out there on the West Coast. We've got Jay uh, down in the South, and he's an announcer uh, at some different tracks in the South. And you're up in the Chicago area. We've got Andy over in Maine, and uh, we've got, uh, let's see, Sam is over in Ohio, and Owen is over in Virginia. So we've got short tracks covered all over the United States here, and uh, I think that's going to be exciting. Jay, any of your thoughts that go along with that short track coverage this year? Well, first, uh, first got to back up here and, and welcome, welcoming Brian back. Uh, i got Thanks, the pleasure Jay. to work with you. There at the track, one of the first uh, events that uh, I went with Sharon, uh, you were there as well. And to see you and watch and learn from you as well as Sharon, uh, the ability it created in me to see how that's done and, and watch and the knowledge you bring. And Sharon mentioned it, as you did, the different tracks, different part of the country. Um, you, know, you mentioned it, getting to cover Chase Briscoe as he was building to the star he is today. And that I, I'm so excited about that to bring that to fans to see these guys that you know if you're not from that area you know you mentioned each track has a different unique each area the South the Midwest the, the California the West Coast has those drivers that unless they get that chance and make it into one of NASCAR's top three don't always get that that coverage. And hopefully we can bring that to them, as Sharon mentioned. We, we got a, a good chunk of the country covered. Yeah, I think our, our staff of writers and, and podcast hosts and co-hosts and guests, I think, is great all spread out through the country. And like you said, like, you don't, I don't hear as much about what goes on on the West Coast. So I've always, you know, kind of deferred to, you know, it's great to have had Sal on the show and always good K&N West coverage, but just local short track coverage out, out West, too. We don't hear about that nearly as much. I feel like it's dominated by the East Coast and the Midwest and stuff like that. So I'm excited just to hear kind of what goes on at some of the local short tracks and other tracks to check out, maybe check out a track or two on a vacation or something like that as well. So always good, and I think that'll be a great segment to have this year and something that's a little bit unique and that definitely doesn't get a get enough coverage throughout the motorsports world. Jay, why don't you uh, kind of mention, too, some of the tracks that you do announce at and some of the tracks that you visited? Well, where my house is situated, I can go five minutes east to Columbus Speedway, the baddest bullring in the south, which is Mississippi's oldest dirt track in uh, existence since 1962, I believe. And then we got Magnolia Motor Speedway, home of the black ice, just down the road, 15 minutes down the road. Other ones in Mississippi, I am a primary announcer at Jackson Motor Speedway, your capital city raceway. We talked about, had him on here several times. Chris, uh, Sharon goes back a long time with uh, Chris Crichton, dirtiest voice in the <laughs> South down at Why Not Motorsports Park in Meridian, Mississippi, the House of Hook. Big name down there, Spencer Hughes. I've talked about that. He raced with Chase Purdy as Chase Purdy was making his way up, uh, come from the Meridian area. So that's where I'm saying that connection is of knowing these people and there's other ones coming along that, that just haven't got that big time. Spencer, he was running on a, the Lucas Oil super late models uh, 
this year as a rookie is down in Florida for their speed weeks. Um, mentioned uh, been able to go to, when it comes to NASCAR tracks, Talladega, Atlanta. You throw Talladega right there, you got the dirt track right next to it, uh, the Hornet's Nest as well. Uh, big news coming out of that is Crate Race in USA has kind of taken over that as their hub as they do some coverage. And I'm hoping this year to actually get into the Carolinas as I, as I want to work with a, a series that's covering eight states um, for a series uh, rather than a, a series around. I've worked with several local tracks that, over, over a season. Uh, this one hoping to expand that. They're, they're looking at the same thing and broadening their, their brand, but also awareness, you know, we got a lot of good drivers from the Carolinas that come over here once or twice a year, going to kind of mix it up and get to see them all year long, uh, as well as some of the Tennessee and Mississippi drivers head, heading that way for not just one event, one big pay event, but some of them that's all they can do, and, you know, that, that goes with the territory, just at, like NASCAR's top levels. Uh, some teams have the, have the money, sponsorship, and capability. Others can only make uh, local events. But to see that mixture and then, again, get the coverage for it, um, so that's great things. I got big things on the horizon for the year and, uh, hopefully to bring and share part of that here, or as you follow me on social media, but just adding to that mixture of grassroots racing. Again, you never know when you might see one of these drivers up at the top level. I know the Dillon boys, uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. come from Olive Branch, just north of us. They, you know, they've run at these local tracks I'm talking about. Okay, and and Brian, I don't know if you've heard the news, uh, but you've heard me talk about Derek Thorne over the years, and he's been a frequent guest yep. of our show. Uh, he announced that he's going to be racing out here in the East uh, several events uh, to include February 5th. Well, this one's at Irwindale, the All-Star Showdown at Irwindale Speedway in California. Uh, but then on April 8th and 9th, he's going to be back at Five Flags Speedway in Pensacola, Florida, uh, growing the Super Southern Super Series and Super Late Model competition. In July, he's going to race uh, the Pro and Super Late Model events at Evergreen Speedway in Monroe, Washington. Uh, and also in July, he's coming to the Slinger Nationals. I would love for us to have somebody at that event. Um, and then also in August, August 10th, the battle at Berlin, at Berlin Raceway in Michigan. Uh, that's going to be fun to see him there. Uh, he's also going to the All-American 400 at the Nashville Fairgrounds uh, in October. And then back to Five Flags Speedway uh, in December for the Snowflake 100 and the Snowball Derby. So that's exciting news to have a driver of the caliber of Derek Thorne from the West racing uh, those races out here in the East. Yeah, that, that's pretty cool. And, and let me back up to cover Jay's stuff. I just love hearing the level of excitement in his voice as he talks about his local short tracks, which is just so cool for that, like, passion and that grassroots racing, you know, gets me all jazzed up for the season too. So love hearing that. And to your point on, on Derek Thorne's schedule, yeah, that's uh, definitely can probably get myself up to Slinger to cover that. I, I love that track. I've only been a couple times, just tough to, you know, coordinate schedules and get to every track you want to everywhere. If I could only, uh, if I could only teleport at some point or get my own plane. And I don't know that either of those are going to happen. But, uh, 
Yeah, Slinger's a, a great track. It was awesome to see that be featured as part of SRX's schedule last year. I think that kind of opened people's eyes, too, and, is you know, they've diversified, and they're going to four different new short tracks this year and two of the same. So I think that's great to just give some of these local local tracks some national flavor and really get people interested because I know even from, from my friends, they'll be like, oh, I didn't realize there was a track out here in Grundy County that we could go to on a Friday night and watch a race or, you know, that exactly. we could, you know, head up to some great short tracks in southern Wisconsin from Madison to um, Jefferson to, you know, Kakana. There's just a ton of, ton of cool tracks up there, Slinger, obviously. So uh, excited to just kind of, you know, follow some more short tracks up this year for sure. And I think, uh, you know, that's kind of what really has gotten me more into racing too is just more stuff at the grassroots level. And, you know, I, I keep pointing back to that, but it was it was fun to cover Chase Briscoe and you had no idea if he was going to succeed or not. You, you'd like to think so, but I've also got a list of – a lot longer list of guys that I've covered and talked to in ARCA over the years that aren't racing at all anymore. So it's just – it's cool when you do see – and, and get to cover somebody that does make it all the way up to the top or even, you know, close to the top. So a lot of fun for sure. Absolutely. And we got a great season on top. Absolutely. Uh, now, before we go, I want to get your thoughts about the uh, Clash at the Coliseum and also uh, let fans know how they can follow you. I know you're really good on Twitter. <laughs> I'd like to think I'm okay <laughs> on Twitter, yeah, for sure. But Yeah, for the Clash, I mean, I'm super excited for it. Um, to be honest, I'd be super excited really no matter where it was or what it was doing. So what I'm more excited to see or, or more curious to see is how the clash plays to the new fans they're trying to draw in, right? Like they're doing a lot of things, mm-hmm. like, you know, we've got Ice Cube and Pitbull and, and DJ Ski coming out to do all this different entertainment to me. I don't need that in a race, but some people that helps attract them and, and gets them out to the track and, you know, maybe gets them then interested. But ultimately I think it comes down to what's the on-track product going to look like. And I think that's kind of the big uncertainty at this point is, you know, nobody knows. I was on a couple of the driver media availabilities um, yesterday and the day before with um, Shurex and Logano and uh, William Byron, and they're all kind of, you know, we hope it's a great show. We want to put on a great show. We don't want it to be, you know, Trex, like we don't want it to be just absolute chaos. It's not, that's not what we want to see. Um, I'm curious to see how, you know, big stock cars race on a track like that. I think, I think the thing that's going to be most exciting is that they're only going to put 23 out of the 36 cars into the feature. So you could very well have some big names that miss the feature race, which we never yeah. see at the cup level anymore. So I'm kind of really excited to watch the heat races. Um, I really hope it turns into a good show. You know, obviously there's going to be some some beating and banging like you're going to see on a short track, but I hope it's good racing and it's not just, you know, wrecks and stuff here and there. I know some people tune in for the wrecks too, but that's, you know, obviously not all I want to see all the time. Um, But the most curious stat I saw was that they said 70% of fans um, that bought tickets for this are are new fans or have never, never been to a NASCAR race before. So I don't wow, know exactly how you count the stat like that to, to be accurate. You know, the numbers guy in me is like, well, is that really an accurate number? But even if it's somewhere in the ballpark, it'll just be interesting to see, you know, how many people will come back and continue to tune in or go to a race. Um, I think we've all known being at the track, once you go to a race, that's really what kind of hooks you. So it's great to get people out and, I think it's got six hours of coverage on Fox between the pre-race and the heat race and the and the actual feature on Sunday. So I think it's got a lot of good TV time. They've definitely been promoting it a ton. So, uh, you know, I think every driver that we talked to this week so far has said that, you know, this is the most excitement they've seen for the clash in their career. So they're 
they're excited about it and just hoping for a good show. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Brian, we loved uh, chatting with you here uh, for a few minutes, and and I wish it could be longer, (laughs) but we'll have more opportunities uh, down the road here. Uh, Let's make sure fans know how they can follow you, because I know you keep fans really up to date with what's going on. You mentioned the media interviews. You kind of let them know what's going on as it's happening. Yeah, for sure. I try to, to get on the Zoom calls as much as I can when when they're available and my, my work schedule allows. But definitely the best place for my motorsports coverage is on Twitter at beeberly18. Um, and like I said, I'll be on your show, um, do some articles, especially some short track stuff, hopefully, with the Fans for Racing site. And then I'm also going to be doing some writing for uh, Auto Racing Digest, which is a new site that's coming out this year, headed up by uh, Jerry Bunkowski. I think you guys probably know him, but it's part of the, oh, the yeah. fan-sided it's it's part of the fan sided group on a Sports Illustrated site. Um connects in with Sports Illustrated site, but it's part of the fan sided um part of of their site. So looking forward to kind of seeing and, and building that and uh, working with him and and growing from that as well. So looking forward to a pretty yeah, good Jerry Bonkowski is great. That's fantastic. Yeah, he's been around the sport for, for a long time, so we'll uh I think we'll hopefully come up with some good story ideas there as well. And definitely too, from any of the listeners, if there's stories you want to hear, like I enjoy covering things that other people aren't covering. Right. We've, we, we've got plenty of reporters that are following the sport every minute of the day in and out. Um, I like to try to tell some stories that other people aren't talking about or like the short track stuff. So if anyone's ever got any ideas or stories or wants to know more, don't hesitate to tweet me, DM me. We can touch base and, and go from there. So uh, looking forward to listening to the full show when it comes out uh, later today and looking forward to being on again um, in the future. Okay. Well, thanks for coming on and uh, definitely looking forward to our next uh, opportunity to hear from you. Thanks, Sharon. Thanks, Shay. You guys have a good one. Okay. Welcome to the team, Brian. Thanks. Uh, all right. That was Brian Everly. Uh He is now part of our Fan for Racing crew, and uh, I think uh, he will bring a wealth of information uh, to our group here, and uh, I'm really excited to have him back in our fold. Uh, next, we do want to get into the clash at the Coliseum. So, Jay, you and I need to kind of get that started. Uh, it's going to be this Sunday, February the 6th, at the Los Angeles Coliseum, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. But it's also it's going to be on the Fox broadcast uh, and radio coverage on MRN and SiriusXM NASCAR Radio. Uh, the entry list. Uh, there are 36 drivers that are entered, but like Brian mentioned, only 23 drivers are actually going to compete in that feature event. Uh, notable drivers include Ryan Priest in the number 15, Cody Ware in the 51, Landon Castle will be in the number 77. Uh, so, uh, and what I love is that all these heat races that are going to lead up to and identify who are the 23 divers that will compete in the main event, Jay. Well, and I know we've had this talk before, and I wish we'd have had more time with Brian as he returns here to Fan for Racing um, to get his thoughts on that. I am one that that excites me. Uh, yes, I'd hate yeah. to see Chase Elliott or uh, Kevin Harvick miss it, but as we've seen in the championship four, Kevin Harvick didn't make it, didn't win a race, didn't make it. 
the championship four was still exciting. That's how these unknown drivers or less covered drivers get that attention. So when you have a race like this, like is at most dirt tracks, I understand if you're a fan of a particular driver and you come and he don't make the show, but that just means the racing's that much better because all these guys race their way in. You know, and when you talk about whether it be asphalt or dirt, these guys that come from other parts of the country, if they got to race their way in, that I mean, that just adds to that excitement. So I'm in favor of it, uh, you know, and we've talked about this even at the cup level. I'd be okay with 40 open spots, Chase Elliott being one to go home, and I use him just because he's the most popular <laughs> driver. I have nothing against Chase Elliott. Even when I was a Jeff Gordon fan, I would have been okay if Jeff Gordon weren't in that race if – 40 other drivers outran him to get in, you know, to qualify. So, and to me, long-term for the season, that adds to it as well. Can he come back from that miss in that race? You know, how does he work his Mm -hmm. way back up and in? That to me just adds to the excitement of the entire season then. Yes, indeed. But the other thing that's really exciting about this uh, clash at the Coliseum, the LA Coliseum, is that on Saturday, we have uh, qualifying and practice sessions back again. <laughs> so there's going to be some single, quali- single car qualifying runs and also some practice sessions. So we haven't seen that in a while. No, and, and there too, I mean, I've always been in favor of that. I understand uh, financially uh, cutting back on practice. I think there's ways they can make it work. Uh, and again, everybody's going through this. We've had situations uh, with tires uh, availability. I know we'll get into that in hot topics. You know, got to limit it a little bit and make some adjustments and evolve. But I, I know for COVID that eliminating it altogether was the way to go. We got through that. I think now we're going to find that med- uh, middle ground, still give them some practice time. But I don't think we need to in the past, uh, you know, Sharon and I have been around along where it was Friday and Saturday two days, hours and hours worth. I don't think we need that mm-hmm. anymore. But like I said, I, my suggestion or thought is always an hour of practice that includes qualifying your fastest time from that. Combine the two for an hour, hour and a half total prior to an event, I think works real well. Again, it's that middle ground. You're providing it. I always like to watch practice and, and catch up on stories that they bring uh, throughout that practice session. Um, but it doesn't go overboard. And I know that balancing in media availability for drivers of, you know, they used to not be available because they were always going from one practice to another. Right. Now, real quick, I do want to get into what the format is going to be because on Saturday uh, we're going to have practice sessions prior to the single car qualifying runs, and that's going to determine the starting order for four heat races that will be taking place on uh, Sunday. Sunday the on-track action begins at 3 o'clock on Eastern Time on Fox with four 25-lap heat races consisting of cars each. Uh, So this is how that's going to play out. The top four fastest qualifiers from Saturday's single vehicle qualifying session will be on the pole for each of the heat races. The wild cars that qualified fifth through eight will make up the other half of the front row in each heat. The remainder of each field will be filled out uh, using this methodology, heat one will be made up, uh, up of cars with qualifying positions 1, 5, 9, 13, 17, 21, 25, 29, 
33 and 37. The top four finishers, 16 cars in total from each heat race, will automatically advance to the Bushlight Clash that will take place at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Fox Sports 1. The winner of Heat 1 winning the poll and the Heat 2 winner earning the outside poll. The winners of Heat 3 and 4 will fill out the second roll with the remaining order of these 16 cars being determined in the same manner. So the remaining six finishing spots from each of those heat races, 24 cars in total, that did not advance will continue through to one of two 50-lap last-chance qualifying races. So it's kind of a second chance to qualify. Uh, So we'll go over how that's going to break down for the last-chance qualifiers. The starting order of those two events will be determined based on finishing positions in the heat races, and those that did not advance from the heat one and three will make up on race, while the second race will be made up of those from heats two and four. Now, the fifth-place finishers from heats one and two will be on the pole in their respective last-chance qualifying races, and then the fifth-place finishers from heats three and four will be on the outside pole. This pattern continues to fill out 12 cars in each event. The top three finishers, six cars in total, from both last chance qualifying races will then advance to the Bush-White Clash, filling out the positions 17 through 22 of the 23 available spots. Now, that final spot in the Bush-White Clash is reserved for the driver who finished the highest in the 2021 point standings, otherwise known as the champion, uh, and that would be for Kyle Larson. He does not transfer on finishing position in the heat races or the last chance qualifying races. He's guaranteed that final spot in the clash. Uh, all other drivers will be eliminated from the competition for the remainder of the event weekend. So, uh, Those heat races are going to be really fun to watch leading up to the clash that's going to take place that evening. Well, Sharon, I could go out and melt your uh, inches of snow right now because my blood is just pumping it, and I'm so excited. (laughs) Uh, This format, there's several things I look at. NASCAR said, you all heard the fans, they said they wanted more short tracks change things up Uh, you you know you're not taking away and breaking tradition but you're adjusting and evolving to go into a market like la uh to do it in the coliseum there are just so many groundbreaking things about this that i am so super excited about this again it's tying back to this this is almost what we have on a regular basis that your weekly uh short tracks that format we've seen it at bristol when they when they did it for the dirt track racing because they had to adjust that to get, to get to see this on this top level like this, I'm excited about it. I really am. Yeah, there's also going to be DJ Ski performing during caution breaks uh, of the Bushlight Clash. Pitbull's going to perform a concert as part of the uh, Clash at the Coliseum festivities. So there's a lot of entertainment value here, uh, and fans are going to get a big bang for their buck at the LA Coliseum this weekend. And that's what Brian talked about. You know, is that something when, when we see this and we talk about it weekly on our preview show of who the Grand Marshal is, who the, who's the pre-race concert? Is that something I look at? No. 
but I'm not alone. So that's one of those of bringing in the diversity of fans uh, that do attract them. Okay, if they're a fan of Pitbull mm-hmm. and they come, uh, now they're a fan of racing because they saw some great racing action. Or I'm a race fan. I get to hear Pitbull be like, hey, I've never heard him. I've never listened to him. You know, cross over and, and maybe become a fan of his and listen to his music more. So it's a win-win for everybody, I think. Like I said, I may not be the fan of whoever's doing the pre-race or want to hear that concert, but it exposes me to that and vice versa, and I think that's a great element that NASCAR has worked really hard to maximize on. Exactly, and once you go to a race, (laughs) you get hooked, like Brian was saying. It it hooks you right in there. Uh, That's exactly what happened to me. We are at the time of our show uh, where it's time for us to get into our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. Uh, And joining us right now, I believe, I think this is uh, Mike that's online with us now. It sure is. Hey-o, everybody. Okay. Uh, And then also, uh, I believe this is uh, Andy that's calling in. Andy, is that you? Apologize for my dog. (laughs) <laughs> That's okay. Oh, How's it going, Sharon? It's uh, fun to be back for 2022. It absolutely is fun to be back. It's fun to be back with our fan for racing crew, and uh, I'm happy to have all you guys uh, available uh, as we put together this podcast uh, prior to the clash at the Coliseum. So uh, we're going to go ahead and get started with our hot topic uh, and uh, let's say, Andy, let's start with you for our first hot topic here tonight. Yeah, one thing that I, I really found intriguing as we go into not just the clash uh, for this weekend, but also Daytona Speed Weeks in two weeks, is uh, the lack of car inventory, which I found to be a little bit eye-opening. Um, teams are expected to obviously race a car this weekend at the clash, but then it sounds as if many teams are only going into Daytona with one car uh, ready for the 500, which could be very interesting when you consider all of the practice and qualifying as well as the qualifying races set to take place. So kind of curious what everyone thought about that. Okay. Uh, just to clarify, uh, are, you, are you sure it's one car at Daytona? I thought they had a backup for Daytona, but they only had the one car for the clash. Yeah, it sounded like teams I... were planning on bringing one car to the Clash this weekend. And from what I was reading online, uh, specifically from crew chief Rodney Childers from Stuart Haas Racing, uh, they were only planning to bring one car for the Daytona 500. Interesting. Okay, Mike, your thoughts? This is really interesting. We've talked about the supply issues with the Gen 7 car before. Uh, remember, this is a big departure from with the Gen 6 car where the teams were responsible to build and bring their own parts to the racetrack. Now they're reliant on third-party suppliers that NASCAR has mandated for these various parts that assemble into the Gen 7 car. And it sounds like the NASCAR racing industry has not been immune to the supply issues that are going on for pretty much every other industry in the country. Um, Andy's exactly right. He's referring to a tweet from Rodney Childers uh, where Rodney said, yeah, they're only going to have one car for the Daytona 500 because they can't get the parts to build a backup car. Uh, He didn't say specifically what parts are difficult to get a hold of, um, but it sounds like at least the four team, uh, and if SHR can't source the parts, I can't imagine that many other teams are having much more luck. Um, If they can only build one car for the Daytona 500, that's kind of a concern. Uh, 
the real question isn't even so much the Daytona 500. It's what happens in the weeks subsequent to that. Uh, we've got the clash. It's going to be on a quarter-mile short track. Given the nature of short track racing, there's a really good chance that that car is not going to be ready to leave L.A. and go straight to Daytona to go on the racetrack. I understand that the Gen 7 car is built to be able to be readily adapted for different track types. So, in theory, you could take a short track car and convert it over to a super speedway car. But there's a really good chance that those class cars aren't going to be ready to go for another race in less than a week just based on the the, the kind of beating that short track cars take. And then you have Daytona, which – is traditionally a high attrition kind of a race between uh, not so much practice and qualifying, although things do occasionally happen there, but you've got the dual races, which are actual competitive races where crashes do happen. And then you have the Daytona 500 itself, which the nature of plate racing or super speedway racing in NASCAR over the past forever is that there are massive wrecks that happen there that if they don't completely destroy the car, it at least puts, uh, puts it on a long road to getting rebuilt. And if they can't get the parts to rebuild those crashed race cars and they can't get enough parts to build more than, uh, I guess it sounds like they only have two cars in the inventory right now, what happens when the teams go to the West Coast for Fontana and Phoenix and Las Vegas? At some point in the season, if the supply issue doesn't correct, there's going to be a bottleneck to the point where teams may not be able to build fully ready-to-go race cars. And the big question is, what happens then? And I don't know. Okay, Jay. Okay. Obviously, there is some concern. Rodney Childers of Stuart Haas Racing being one at the top level. However, I'm trying to look at the positive to it, and I see several things here. One, there – they're still going to survive one way or another. They're going to make it happen. We know that these teams have always been able to manage no matter what gets thrown at them. We went through COVID. We went through no practice. We went through this. They're going to survive. Uh, And I'm sure NASCAR is working closely with them to do the best they can to provide that. What I look at though, is we talked about this car and what the intent was overall is to bring these teams closer together. Stuart Haas Racing, Hendrick Motorsports, Joe Gibbs Racing, they're used to having an unlimited, basically, supply of cars, tools, everything available, okay? They're going to have to adjust, yes. What I see, though, is some of these teams say, hey, we've been doing this for five, six years. We've been racing with one, two cars for five or six years. So they know what they're doing when it comes to that. And I think that's going to kind of bring the field closer together. And again, I'm not rooting against any of the top drivers or teams, but I think then they, as they have to adjust, we may see some different winners, some di- different top finishers that are used to, like I said, protecting their car and equipment because they've had to. We're going to see some changes maybe in driver style. Uh, you know, Daytona itself leads itself to some of the bigger wrecks we've talked about based on the track. But maybe we don't see some of the more aggressive moves we've seen in the past that teams that say, hey, we got another car, we can just go to that if I wreck this one, that we see that driving attitude change and then be more, uh, not saying anybody's dumb, but making smarter moves. Uh, So I think there could some good things come out of this, and it will be an adjustment, but I think it's going to be an adjustment that as it comes – we're going to see some different things happening up front, especially, and that's just going to add to the overall excitement and battles on the track and throughout the points uh, throughout the season. 
Yeah, you guys did a great job of pointing out both sides of the coin there, and and I appreciate that. I I wish we had more information as to what parts they're talking about. There's a big difference over whether it's chassis type of parts, engine parts, if it's body parts. Uh, One of the things that NASCAR did with this next-gen car is they developed snap-on pieces so if a, a, uh, on the body parts, if something gets damaged, uh, it's real easy to snap on a new piece. Uh, so when you're talking about racing like the Clash <laughs> at the Coliseum or even Daytona racing, um, if they have those parts, those will be easy to deal with. Uh, but here's the other thing that I know about the NASCAR community. NASCAR community is very good. Now, I understand that if there's a shortage and if one team isn't getting it, it's likely that none of the teams are getting it. But um, they're really good. If one team uh, is missing something, they come together and share resources. We've seen them share uh, pit crew members, uh, cars, all kinds of things. I've seen drivers pull out their backup car for another driver to help keep them in the race. So I think that you might see some of that going on uh, with this as well. But I think it makes a difference over which parts they're talking about that they're missing. Uh, and I'm not sure that we know what what parts those are. Are they body parts? Are they chassis parts? Are they engine parts? Um, those all all are uh, significant in their own right, uh, no doubt about it. But uh, I, I do think the NASCAR community will come together and they will support one another with uh, whatever does happen here. Uh, it's just that these two races are events uh, where damage tends to happen. Uh, you're talking about short track racing where there's a lot of bumping and banging, but let me just say this. These parts, these snap-on parts for the body that they're talking about are intended to be more resilient than some of the body parts that we've seen in the past. So uh, it will withstand some of that bumping and banging that we see with short track racing a lot better than some of the body parts that we've seen in the past. Uh, And again, this is all to kind of keep the cost down uh, so that uh, drivers can engage in in some of that activity on the track um, without damaging their cars. So we'll see what happens. Uh, It's going to be interesting, uh, no doubt about it. But Andy, I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are. Well, this is an intriguing uh, concept for these teams to even be dealing with. We're going from an era in which many teams had, you know, 10 or 12 cars at their disposal. Um, So wrecking a car or destroying one wasn't such a big deal. You could pull out a new car. It doesn't seem as if that's going to be that easy, at least right now. In fact, I believe the new rules for 2022 um, state that a team – each individual team can have up to seven chassis, which you would expect would be sufficient – to get themselves through the season. But um, like Mike already said, you know, right now teams have one or two cars that are ready to race. And I think what I find interesting about that is, you know, what does that mean for the clash this weekend? Obviously this is a a big event. It's a new uh, venue. Um, You know, obviously a lot of eyes are going to be on this because it's not only the first race of the year, but it's on the West coast. Um, There's a lot of excitement that's around this, but I'm curious to see if this is, an event where everyone's going to go all out and we'll see a lot of beating and banging or if teams are going to try to just get through this and, and save that car 
as potentially for use as a backup in Daytona because certainly the big prize is the Daytona 500 in two weeks. So I'm curious to mm-hmm. see, you know, how teams how teams navigate this weekend, um, and and if they're they're simply there just to get through it and, and participate, or if they're going to go out and race hard and, and put on a show. That I think remains to be seen for Sunday. But um, I think the bigger concern for me would be you know, how do they get through speed weeks? Because this isn't just a show up and race scenario. This is, you know, a week in which there's plenty of practice qualifying the qualifying races. And, um, you know, there, there is going to be some hard racing in those qualifying races because several teams have to make the show on speed or their finishing position in the, in the qualifying races. So it's not as if people are going to go out there and ride single file. Um, you are going to see some racing and racing tends to lead itself toward wrecks. So, um, I don't know. It's, it's like, you know, you already said, though, specifically Jay and Sharon, I'm sure that if a car gets damaged or wrecked, it can and will be prepared. And I'm sure, you know, things will be done to ensure that, you know, people will be able to race on Sunday for the 500. But it's just an interesting scenario in which I think a lot of these bigger teams aren't used to, you know, having only one or two cars available right now. It's, it's you know, in the past, generally, it was a scenario where, if you wrecked one, it was no big deal. Now it's kind of a big deal because these cars need to be repaired and reused down the line. So, um, but like you said, I think that, you know, this shouldn't become a big storyline. I suspect that if cars do get damaged or wrecked, that, you know, things will get done that need to get done in order to ensure that uh, a team will get themselves back on track. But I, I do think it's going to be something to follow specifically what happens this weekend at the clash, you know, do cars get damaged or destroyed in that event and, and what that means for a team's inventory leading into speed week. So definitely something we haven't really seen before. And I think it's just growing pains with a, a completely brand new car, but uh, certainly something to keep an eye on. Okay, Mike, your follow-up. I have no doubt that the teams are going to put together 40 cars. They have a 40-car show for the Daytona 500. Like you said, Sharon, there's there's a lot of good nature, help-each-other-out community within NASCAR. The real question is going to be what happens in the weeks and months ahead if this supply issue doesn't correct itself. If there is one specific part, for example, let's just say control arms. This is just I'm guessing here. I don't know. I'm like you. I don't know anything about what specific part or parts uh, are causing the issue but say that they, the teams just flat out cannot get control arms. Well, if a team breaks one at Daytona, they can reach back to Charlotte and either get one back from you know, their own team or they can borrow or buy one from another team. That's great. But eventually that supply of that one specific part is going to get exhausted. And what happens when there are zero available control arms anywhere within the NASCAR community? And that's going to be the big question. Um, I wouldn't be surprised sometime in the spring to see NASCAR relaxing the rules a little bit regarding having to get these parts from third-party manufacturers if they just flat-out cannot get them from those manufacturers. It wouldn't surprise me to see NASCAR temporarily allow teams to produce the parts that are necessary in order to get the cars on the track just to get over this, this supply issue that they have. Um, I've gone through that with rebuilding my own car where I know the parts that I need, there's vendors who sell the parts that I need, but I've been waiting for weeks and in some cases for some parts months to get from these vendors because they can't get it from their suppliers. If I had the capacity to build it in my own shop with you know, the machine tools and the welding and everything that it takes to produce those parts like these major NASCAR racing teams do, well, I could have had my car fixed by now. 
So you may end up seeing NASCAR relax the rules to the point where they allow the teams that have the capability to produce these parts to do so, at least to get over the gap. And we'll probably end up talking about this sometime in the spring here where they're going to figure out a solution one way or the other to this problem. I'm really interested to see what it is. Okay, Jay. Well, don't let Mike kid you. He's not just waiting on parts. He, he has to come up with some money, work a little few extra hours to pay for the wall he damaged when he wrecked that car. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Was I not supposed to share that publicly? <laughs> oh, no. Uh, it, it's oh. Little, little, little known fact for people. Um, when you crash at a racetrack, not only are you on the hook for the damage you did to your own car, but if you damage the racetrack, you're on the hook to pay the racetrack as well. So just, uh, just a little FYI for people. Um, I, th- I think Mike is on to something there. First off, NASCAR is going to help out however they need. You know, like you said, they may uh, adjust the rules or provide it if they find another vendor, if, they, if that's the case, or allow one of these teams to maybe produce them or something. They're going to make sure the teams uh, do get what they need, uh, what they need, not what they want. You know, we'd all like to say we want seven cars all ready to go and available. Um, not necessarily that, but to provide what they need to get on the track and provide the show, which is what they're, they're there to do. So Mike's right. They, there may be a solution in that area of NASCAR adjusts the rules, temporarily suspends it, or something to that effect. We'll have to wait and see how big a hole it really is. You know, right now, um, like I said, I'm sure Rodney Childers is saying, hey, we're, we're in trouble. Is it as dire as what he's projecting or, or what people are starting to feed off of it? Maybe, maybe not. We don't know exactly, as everybody said, what parts are missing or what are hard to come by, how badly they're needed. Uh, so until that all comes to fruition, we'll have to wait and see. The one thing, as I said, I look at, we've talked about this in years past, and teams and drivers have said it. It's a team sport, and it's not about the races where you have the best car and win when you don't have the best car or have an issue and overcome it. So that's what I'm looking forward to is what team overcomes this this obstacle and this hurdle and maintains and gets through it. That, to me, is then you're, what you're looking at, the championship team, that, hey, no matter what gets thrown at us, we're going to overcome it. And, and so that's the aspect I look at it is, is what team is going to overcome it, manage it the best, work through it the best, and come out on the other side. That's true. And, and again, I appreciate kind of getting all perspectives here because this is a spectrum that we're talking about of possibilities of what could or could not happen. And, and we've got the worst case scenario uh, out there. Uh, but there's also the possibility that it doesn't get as bad as, as we think it might get. Uh, so, uh, again, I think NASCAR is up to the task. Uh, I don't think they would – uh, start the season with this new car if they thought that they would not be able to deal with whatever does happen. Uh, and I do think uh, 95% of what we worry about uh, ends up not being something that we needed to worry about. So I'm hoping, I know I'm the Pollyanna of the group here, but I'm hoping uh, that uh, this is one of those worries that uh, doesn't come and bite us in the butt later on. But uh, I, I do think that NASCAR is up to the task or they wouldn't have started the season uh, with these new cars. And and I think we need to keep in mind that these cars are built to be more resilient. Um, so uh, I, I think that that may help 
some of the situation. Now, uh, we know that anything and everything can happen and usually uh, does at some point. Uh, and some, and we do need to be prepared for the worst-case scenario in case it does happen. But uh, uh, I, I do think that these cars are going to be – I think we're going to find that these cars are a lot sturdier uh, than some of the cars that we've seen in the past uh, with the way that they are built. Uh, so I think that's going to be uh, something that works in NASCAR's favor uh, as you think about what the worst-case possibilities are. I think the durability of this car is going to be uh, one of the positives uh, that we see. At least that's my hope. <laughs> Andy? Uh, no follow-up on this, really. Just, you know, something we'll keep an eye on, I think, as the season gets started. But um, definitely an interesting scenario that we've never really seen before. Mm-hmm. Yep, that, that is definitely true. Okay, Mike, uh, you get the uh, next topic. Well, if I didn't bring it up, I know Jay would. It is time to talk about the money team. Um, and if, if listeners aren't aware of why there's going to be a lot of tongue-in-cheek on this discussion, the money team is kind of this mythical team that has been sort of announced, sort of rumored over the past probably three or four years. And it is a new team affiliated with Floyd Mayweather, the boxer, and uh, they've hinted and threatened to show up to the Daytona 500 for the past several seasons. They've gone so far as to show renders of a car, sort of hint at having drivers and whatnot, but it never has materialized. Well, at this point now, it sounds like they might actually be for real. They've announced a driver for the Daytona 500, namely Kaz Grala. They have a sponsor, namely Pit Viper Sunglasses. They have a car, which is an eyesore, and I'm going to need some Pit Viper sunglasses to shield my vision from it, which may actually be the whole point of the paint scheme, um, is the money team for real now? And maybe it is. I don't know. I'm interested to hear what everyone else has to say. <laughs> okay, Jay. Well, if you know anything about Floyd Mayweather, and he's got a team, the, the, the money team you talk about, he has got a group around him that are really smart when it comes to investing and planning. Uh, yeah, they maybe announced it a little sooner than what they, they, they should have based on the fact that they weren't ready. I know I heard some issue that they had a deal put together and it fell through. Uh, I don't know all the details on that, but they have come together now and it will be a part-time team. Uh, I don't want people to think that because it's Floyd May Money Mayweather and the money is there, that they're just going to come out the gate and outspend everybody. And NASCAR is really adamant about that, of that's not what they want to see. So I think they took their time and did their due diligence, other than maybe making the statement of what they were going to do a little too early. Again, I don't know the exact details of the deal that fell through, but they've said this is going to be a part-time part -time deal. I'm excited for it. Another new team in NASCAR. Kaz Grala getting the opportunity. We know he can run on the super speedways, so I think that puts him in a good position. And depending on their finish you know, at Daytona, that may provide more for them um, as they move forward. I don't think they released a what their full part-time schedule is going to be. Uh, we'll see if it ever develops into a full-time team. You know, That would be one thing. And it's okay if they have part, a part-time team We've talked about this in the past. If you'd rather see the competitive cars, you know, the Wood Brothers did it. You know, pick 8, 10, 12 races that they're going to put their effort into, show up at these races, 
and make it happen versus trying to go full-time and not be able to compete at any of them. So we'll see how it plays out. I do believe they're going to be on the track. Uh, the one I'm uh, more so tying that in of mythical team, uh, we'll get to that in another hot topic, but Greg Biffle and the New York racing team, I had never even heard of that team, truthfully. Uh, they've supposedly been around for years, and I don't even remember hearing that name. So I consider that one more mythical than the money team. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Andy, your thoughts? Well, it's been talked about for, for quite some time, and it's it's interesting that it finally came to fruition, I suppose, probably coincident with the new car. But, um, I mean, it's it's good to see competition. It, it's up to, I think, 42 cars slated for the 500. Um, you know, so there's going to be a lot of competition for those open teams vying for those last few positions for the starting lineup. So it's going to be interesting uh, to see how they do. Um, they've got a veteran crew chief in Tony Urie Jr. who makes his Cup Series return. Obviously, he's had a lot of success uh, many years ago on Super Speedways with Dale Earnhardt Jr. And um, Kaz Grala's, you know, been a proven Super Speedway racer. I believe the car um, has some kind of affiliation with RCR, maybe just the engine, I believe I read. So, um, but it's going to be interesting, you know, to see how they do. Obviously, um, anytime there's a, a new team that enters the sport, if they have the intention to go out there and, and race hard and compete, that's a good thing. So um curious to see how many races they actually wind up running and, and, and what they actually turn into. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the mythical, uh, the mythical money racing team uh, is going to be out there competing. So um, it's coming to fruition and, and that's a good thing. So we'll, we'll see how far they go and, and what they do, but it'll be uh, fun to watch. Yeah, I think this is one of those things where a lot of things can happen behind the scenes that are not public, and, uh, you know, we don't always know all the details of why things didn't work out. Uh, But I sense that at this point um, there's a lot more organization about uh, announcing their Daytona 500 run, Uh, and and Andy brings up a good point. Just because they're uh, attempting to make the Daytona 500, they still have to get through qualifying. So Cass Rowell is a great driver. We've known Cass Rowell for a long time. He's been a a guest on our show, and uh, he's a great racer. But uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, other teams out there that are competing to be in that Daytona 500, and we'll have to, I'm hoping, and I I have confidence that he probably will qualify. It's going to be something to watch, though, uh, during that weekend of racing. Uh, But uh, I do sense that there is more organization. They've got a crew chief. They've got a driver. Yeah, they've got a car, and, yeah, you're going to know that car when you see it on the track uh, because it's, it's very visible. Um, and and uh, they haven't made a commitment other than the Daytona 500 at this point. I hope we do see them more throughout the season, uh, and I hope that it, it does come. Uh, but don't judge them too harshly because you, you really don't know what's going on behind the scenes and some of the challenges uh, that they have. Uh, trying to break through to get a team into NASCAR. There's a lot of teams uh, that never make it, and uh, these guys uh, definitely have the money behind them to make things happen. Uh, But things don't always work out, even when you have the money. So um, 
uh, I, I wish them the best, and uh, we'll see what happens uh, during Daytona 500 qualifying. Mike, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. So kind of the uh, my understanding on the current iteration of the money team is this is kind of the ghost of Starcom Racing. Uh, if you'll remember, Starcom had the double zero car that they raced with uh, Quinn Howe for the past couple seasons. They sold the charter and shut down at the end of the 2021 season. Um, but my understanding is the car that the money team currently has in their possession is the next-gen car that Starcom was doing some of the testing with last year. So it sounds like that's where the car has come from. Um, A couple big questions still around that team, though. First and foremost is we just talked about the supply situation for some of the parts for the next-gen car. If they're going to commit to something beyond the Daytona 500, where are they going to fit into the picture in terms of being able to get parts? I can't imagine that uh, NASCAR won't prioritize the charter teams. So a non-charter team like the money team, where are they going to end up on the supply situation? That's a big question mark that, uh, that is probably going to be difficult to answer, at least for a little while until we see how things plan out. Um, the other big question on it was the uh, involvement of Floyd Mayweather himself. Um, whether he was just kind of a name attached to it or whether he was actually going to be involved in it. He did put out a statement when they did the big announcement, uh, just to paraphrase, yeah, they're there to win, they're excited to do it, it's the next chapter, et cetera. I still, nothing, no offense to him, I still question the level of commitment or involvement of Floyd Mayweather in this um, to the point where, if this doesn't work out the way he was hoping, how quickly will he pull out and that's going to be the end of that team? And I'd hate to see the rug pulled out from under a new team just because the major backer decided that they were no longer interested in it or they weren't getting the brand recognition that they wanted out of it. So those are going to be some things to watch for the money team right now. As far as whether they're going to try and make the Daytona 500, I've said it many, many times, and I'm kind of sticking with it just if for no other reason than stubbornness. I'll believe it when I see them on the racetrack. Um, it looks pretty likely now that they're at least going to show up and attempt to make the show. I w- I'm with you, Sharon. I wish them the very best. I've said it many times. I'm always down to see new teams under the sport, and I hope that they're competitive. Um, I just hope that this is, a, it is indeed a move in the direction towards fielding another competitive car and not, for lack of a better way to describe it, a publicity stunt from somebody. So we'll see how it sorts out. Hopefully, uh, like I said, it's a – new chapter in a team that eventually becomes a competitive race team, but we're just going to have to watch and see. Okay. Jay, your follow-up? Well, throughout the, ra- throughout the race, when I keep putting on the message board, be like, who is that, who is that team there? Because Mike said the money team wasn't going to show up and isn't, doesn't exist. Uh, that'll be the one. I'll, I'll get to ask that hopefully uh, all the way throughout the race. <laughs> Mike, Mike brings okay. up some points, though. Oh. Go ahead, Sharon. No, go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, Mike brings up some points, of, and I, I hope we don't have to open that can of worms and have that discussion. How are these teams being prioritized as far as getting points? I understand you want to protect the, the 36 locked-in teams, but that's the problem with the 36 locked-in teams to begin with if you are going to lock every, or block everybody else from getting in. So I hope that NASCAR isn't doing that. Like I said, that'll be another hot topic if we, if we get information on that. Um, You've got to give the same opportunity to all these teams, uh, you know, as far as getting parts and becoming successful, which I think NASCAR wants. Uh, rarely would I say that we've seen that they don't want a team participating in racing. Um, 
I'm sure those are exceptions, but as a whole, that's not what they're there for. So, again, it being part-time, we don't know their full schedule. I know some people had the question about Jordan. Oh, he's a basketball player. How involved is he going to be? We've seen that. Uh, Floyd Mayweather going to be at the track and, and be as involved as Jordan? It's yet to be seen. We'll have to see. I will say this. With the crew chief he's put uh, in place, I think that comes into it. If You may not be the one to, to know everything. Put the right people in the right place and let them do it. So I, I think we all learned that from Joe Gibbs. Okay. I think that's true. Andy? Uh, I don't have any uh, follow-up at this time. Yeah, I really don't have any uh, follow-up on this one either. So, Mike, I guess we'll let you have the uh, final word here. Well, I mean, the final word is going to be when they get onto the racetrack. I mean, I will be glad to eat some crow. I'm not going to say I'm going to buy Jason Mountain Dew if they show up because that's probably a bridge too far. <laughs> if they win the Daytona 500, maybe maybe I'll, uh, I'll buy Jason Mountain Dew. Uh, and that's not out of the realm of possibilities. We've seen uh, we've seen some pretty surprising results at the Daytona 500, including last year when Michael McDowell broke through and got his first win. I wouldn't have bet on him to win that race. Um, so it, does Kaz Growler and the money team show up to Daytona? Yeah, probably better than better than better than likely odds, I would say. Do they win the Daytona 500? It's not out of the realm of possibility. So we got about two weeks, a little bit over two weeks here, and a lot of questions are going to get answered. And well, maybe some crow will actually be served as well. <laughs> I like that scenario of Kaz Grala going out there and winning the Daytona 500, their first race for the money team. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Okay, Jay, I think that brings you up. Well, if I can, before we get to the hot topic of choice, uh, I'd like to do some breaking news. We had our guest, Brian Eberle, returning to Fan for Racing uh, a little bit earlier, and we've been talking about competition and expanding the field and getting better competition. Brian has told me he is going to participate in our Fan for Racing group, so uh, he is going to get back with me on uh, his class driver here and he will be participating and be part of it. We're going to have nine players then this year. Our fantasy group, yes. Yeah, with the, yes, awesome. with the Fan for Racing fantasy group, sorry. Hey, Jay. Yes. I'm going to have to give you a run for your money this year. I, I'm coming into 2022 with the intent to uh, actually try uh, this year with the Cup Series. So, uh You'll have to eat your Wheaties, I think. I'm, I'm coming for that points lead. Ooh, All right. Well, that's Dethroning attempt. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it. I'd like to see it. Like I said, I enjoy doing it. We've had such a blast with it. You know, I, I think back to the, the history of it when I first started doing the Thursday night preview and Sharon and I just talk about each race and, and say we'd make a pick. And I started to be like, hey, I wonder if we track this of, you know, between the two of us, who, who picked better or whatever. I mean, that's how it all started, and it has become such a big thing, and I know everybody has such a great time with it, so I'm glad to have Brian uh, jump in here with us as he comes back to the Fan for Racing uh, team. Awesome. Now, for for the hot topics, uh, I mentioned this earlier. To me, uh, it's kind of twofold, as I don't have a whole lot of faith in the New York racing team, but Greg Biffle returning with this New York racing team and I'm not sure where the connection is because there was a lot of talk about him being at Richard Childress Racing, getting fitted into a car and, and, and everything, and a number 44. So I don't know if that's going to transfer over and be that team, but New York Racing 
uh, with Greg Biffle to attempt to do the Daytona 500 as well. Okay, Andy, you're first up here. This would be uh, this would be interesting, you know, kind of like Jay already said. I, I hadn't really heard of this team. Uh, I did a little bit of digging into it, and um, some of the the ownership behind it has been around for a while. So these aren't new players to the sport. Possibly a new partnership um, that you know has transpired into a, a new team name. Um, John Cohen, I believe, is one of the owners as part of this team, and he's been around for a while. So this isn't a brand-new ownership group, but um, would be a new formation, certainly. And uh, it'd be cool to see Greg Biffle back, certainly. Um, you know, not sure if they'll attempt the 500 or not. I guess we'll find out when we see the entry list for that. But um would be cool to see Greg back. I know uh certainly have enjoyed watching him run uh, a couple, three truck races in recent times and, and uh, would be – certainly a great pick for a, a new team trying to get their uh, feet wet or, or get off the ground running. So um be cool to see if they actually do it and um, be cool to see Greg Biffle back if, in fact, this uh, comes to fruition. Okay, Mike. So I was kind of optimistic about uh, the money team showing up to Daytona. I'm going to be very pessimistic about NY Racing showing up. Uh, and there's a couple reasons for that. One is we're a little bit less than, or a little bit more than two weeks out from the Daytona 500. And yes, we've we've heard about a driver, we've heard about a car number, um, but that's about the extent of any. I don't even want to call those firm details, but you know details with actual associations to them. Um, as far as where are they going to get a car? That's a big question right now because, again, we've talked about the supply issues. The money team at least has the Starcom car that they can rely on, and that's an actual real you-can-put-your-hands-on-it race car versus I don't know where a prospective brand-new team would source a Gen 7 car even if they had the money to purchase one. It sounds like if the investment investors list is accurate, like Andy said, there may well be the money behind it, but – when there's no parts available to purchase and, or, and produce a car, I don't know where this team is going to get a car. And the fact that we haven't seen one and we're a little bit more than two weeks out from the show, it kind of makes me think they don't have one and they most likely will not be at Daytona. As far as seeing Greg Biffle back, that'd be great. He's uh, He was big in the, in the sport in the 90s and 2000s. He was entertaining. He's always been entertaining. Seeing him win that truck race for Kyle Busch a few years ago was pretty neat. And he put on a good show in SRX last year. Don't forget about that. So I would be glad to see Greg Biffle back. But I don't think that this team here, NY Racing, is going to be Greg Biffle's route back to the NASCAR Cup Series. Okay. Um, they say that the team, uh, NY Racing, has been trying to put together a deal to get on track for more than a year now. But speculation is that the Daytona 500 effort this season is coming together. He's fitted his seat for the number 44 Chevrolet uh, at RCR Racing. Uh, I don't know why they would go through that effort if they didn't have a car to put him in. Uh, but then it comes back to what we said about Kaz Grally. He still has to qualify for the Daytona 500. Greg Biffle is certainly capable of that, depending on the car that he's got underneath him. Uh, but uh, I do think, um, uh, you know, I, I just don't see them putting this out there unless they had something to put on the track. Uh, and it sounds like what we talked about before, when somebody doesn't have something, uh, other teams kind of rise to the occasion to help them out, and it sounds like that's what Richard Childress Racing is doing. Uh, so 
we'll see what happens. You know, it may or may not happen. That's always a possibility. Uh, but I don't see them putting this stuff out here unless they've got a car to put him in. Why would they fit, uh, fit him for the seat uh, unless they had a, a car, a number 44 Chevrolet, uh, to put him into it? So uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm glad to see Greg Bipple getting a chance to come back out onto the track. Uh, I think Greg Bipple would be fun to see him in any other series, whether it's trucks, Xfinity, or Cup Series. Uh, I, and I I would like to see him get that opportunity. So uh, I hope this does work out. Uh, is it possible? It won't. Sure it is. Uh, but I think the signs are there that it's headed in the right direction. We'll have to see what happens. Jay, your follow-up or your, your thoughts? You know, normally I try to counter Mike's uh, less than uh, positivity, positivity, but – this one I, I'm a little leery on. I, you know, I, I'm with you, Sharon. They've put it out there, but we've seen that with the money team uh, that they've put out that mm-hmm. they're coming. Um, the fact that they did, you know, we know that he was there getting fitted for the seat. Okay, they show up at the track, but what quality? Uh, you know, that's where, that's where my concern comes in. Like Mike said, okay, if they can get a car together, scrape together uh, to get on the track is one thing. To get qualified and run in. I mm-hmm. do like the fact that Greg Biffle's coming back. I am excited about that. Uh, in this opportunity, uh, might be a little bit more undertaking than uh, he's capable of or is the right fit. Uh, he can provide so much for a team, but he hasn't been in the cup car to the best of my knowledge, and this might be that he has been in, in some and uh, just not aware of it, but there's a reason drivers like Ryan Newman, Matt DiBenedetto don't take certain rides and for Greg Biffle to try and make a comeback or get back into the sport in this Avenue uh, might be a, a pretty big uphill climb. I, I am excited about it. Like I said, uh, you know, um, to see Greg Biffle come back, but I'm also excited to see Dodge come back and that hasn't happened yet either. So this one, <laughs> I, I'm a little more on Mike's side of, you know, I, I got to see it and, and see how it plays out if it even happens. Okay, Andy, where do you stand? Well, you know, I certainly hope it comes to fruition, and I think that if there is a time for Greg Biffle to get back into this, it it would be now because these cars are all built the same with the same parts. And, yes, of course, the teams have their own ability to to work on these cars, you know, and, and work on setups and whatnot, but this has never been more equal than now there's probably never been a more um, reset in the sport, if you will, than now that we've seen in a long time anyway, um, when you consider that all these cars are about as equal as they've ever been. So um, if there's ever an opportunity for a a new team with a veteran like Greg Biffle to come and maybe have a chance to win the 500, it's it's now. So um, like Sharon said, you know, I believe there was a sighting of him at RCR uh, which would imply that this team would use RCR as its vendor for the car potentially. So um, I, I think there's a possibility of this happening. I don't think there's an, an ever more opportune time than now. And, you know, I I think it would be cool to see Greg back. And, you know, certainly with his, with his veteran status and his driving talents, um, you know, I, I think that someone like him could get into this brand new car and, and have a chance at it. Certainly, he'd been out of the cup series for a long time and wasn't probably used to, you know, 
the old Gen 6 car anymore, but with this new car being a completely new slate, it may be an opportunity for him to come in and, and be competitive. So it I, obviously remains to be seen. It remains to be seen if they do make an attempt to qualify for the Daytona 500, but I don't think there's a more opportune time than right now. I agree, uh, Andy. I think you you bring up some uh, good points there. I'm sorry, I, Mike, you have a chance at a follow-up there. Sure. Um, if we've been talking about this back in November, I would be a lot more inclined to think that this was for real. But seeing that we're having this discussion in early February, just a couple weeks out from the from the race itself, I really don't that's, – that's what leads to my pessimism here is just how short the timeline is to make something like this happen. Is it possible? Sure. But at this point, with the lack of information that we have and the history of this team trying to get in and not really producing anything, at this point, I would say L.W. Wright has a better chance of trying to get into the Daytona 500 right now than NY Racing. Maybe I get proven wrong, but I'd be really, really, really surprised at this point if they show up with a car and try and make the Daytona 500. Mike, what about Orville? Okay. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I mean, there's a few possibilities. Yeah, there are. Uh, we'll see what happens. I think he will be at the track. I think that they are going to put him in a car. Whether or not it actually qualifies for the Daytona 500, I think is going to be the key uh, and will be the telling part of New York racing. Uh, but uh challenge out there now over who's going to be the first one to cite Greg Biffle at Daytona uh from our fan for racing crew uh and put it out on our uh, our uh, hot topic thread there uh and uh have bragging rights for the first fighting of Greg Biffle at Daytona uh but I think he's going to be there uh I'm again I know I'm the Pollyanna uh optimistic uh, part of this group but uh who's going to be the first to see him Jay well, well, it won't be me. I'm not going to be in Daytona, but I said I was leaning more towards Mike on this. I didn't say I was down there with him. He's still uh, really deep in that, entrenched in that nobody's going to show up at Daytona. I do think they're going to show up. But, you know, like you said, they've put it out there. He's been at the shop. Um, it is surprising to me that in this day and age of social media, we didn't hear any kind of whisper of it or anything talked about it prior to uh, what, a week ago or so, um, but maybe that's good on them. Uh, I was blown out of the water when Stuart Haas Racing announced they were going to Ford, and, you know, it's coming that they're going to announce that they're going to go to Dodge, maybe, hopefully. Uh, you know, but there's been whispers of that. This just come out of nowhere is what concerns <laughs> me, you know, as as Mike said. Um, but the fact that he was at the shop and they've put it out there that, hey, we're coming, yes, I know – the money team did the same thing. Maybe this this team has learned from that mistake. Hey, we're not going to say it until we got it locked down. That's possible. So, yeah, I think they show up at the track. How well they do, don't know. How uh, long-term they're going to be, we'll have to wait and see. But I, I do uh, – Andy made some good points. Of This is a good time for a driver to come back uh, like Greg Biffle, even having been out of the car, out of out of the Cup Series anyway for several years. The one aspect I think about now, too, though, as they talked about this car was that it was supposed to put it back in the driver's hands. 
And I think that yep. does fall into a driver like Greg Biffle's uh, wheelhouse, that he was one that he just manhandled the car. The car didn't handle him. He handled the car. So that will be a good fit if that is how this Gen 7 car plays out, that it's more about the driver than anything. Um, so that's a good thing in his favor. Okay. Well, we are coming up to the top of the hour, and uh, I am going to have to close it out at that time. So I'm going to uh, go ahead and uh, get ready to close it out here, uh, and we'll do our roundtable. I think everybody had a chance to bring up a hot topic. Uh, we will be back on air just to kind of give a, a folks an, an idea of what's going to happen. Uh, Sal and I will do the review show on Monday night. That's Monday the 7th. Uh, and then we're putting together a podcast for our preview show for Daytona, and we're going to be doing that on Wednesday the 16th because of the duels that will be taking place on Thursday night. Uh, we all want to kind of watch that, uh, and we want to have our podcast out prior to the duel so that we can do that preview. Uh, and, and, of course, after Daytona, we'll be back on air for the Monday night show. And then that week, that's on the 21st of February, and that week on the 24th, we'll have our first regular night, uh, Thursday night, uh, preview show on Thursday the 24th. Uh, and that will be for the weekend at Auto Club Speedway. So just so you know, uh, South Gala was approved for credentials, uh, photography credentials out at the L.A. Coliseum. So he's going to be there uh, this weekend, and I think that's pretty exciting. Uh, they have pretty well limited those guys. Nobody can be down on the track or in the media center. They're, they're going to have to take their photos from uh, the seats. So, uh, and, and South said that's going to be a little bit tricky because uh, they have to be able to get a view that's above the catch fence. Uh, but I, I think it's exciting that South's going to be there this weekend, and I can't wait to talk to him about it uh, on Monday night's show. So uh, you'll definitely want to tune in for that. Uh, we introduced Brian Everly. We've talked about him a couple of times here tonight as coming back to our fan for racing crew. Uh, I'm super excited about that. And if you didn't catch his interview uh, during the earlier part of this show, I would encourage everybody to go back and to listen to that. Uh, uh, it's it's pretty pretty cool that he's coming back. And uh, I, a big shout-out uh, to everybody who's tuning in to listen to our podcast. Thanks for bearing with us uh, as we put together these podcasts for the next couple of weeks. Uh, but we will get back on track uh, the week of the 21st and uh, with our 21st show for the previous show. Um, and, of course, a big shout-out to our Fan for Racing crew here today. We've got Jay, who was co-hosting today. Uh, thank you, Jay. Uh, as well as uh, Andy Lasky and Mike Orzel as part of our fan for racing crew for our hot topics. Uh, we really appreciate you guys and all that you do, and I'm looking forward to this season with our fan for racing crew and our fan for racing fantasy group led by Jay in uh, keeping track of all of our picks and, and how we rank amongst ourselves for bragging rights throughout this season. So, uh, And, of course, Again, to all of our listeners for tuning in. So uh, with that, let's go around the table here. And Andy, we'll start with you and uh, move on to Mike after that. And we'll end up with Jay. 
Uh, yeah, still on uh, Twitter as CB14 fan, still a Chase Briscoe fan, obviously, and um, just happy that racing's back. Obviously, uh, been a long off season, so fun to be on what's my first show of the year, and um, really excited uh, for some Cup Series action at the LA Coliseum this weekend. Not really sure what to expect with that, but it is a, a really, really small racetrack, so I think it'll be fun. And uh, certainly really excited for Speed Weeks uh, in a couple weeks, too. So thankful to be back on the show. Appreciate the opportunity, Sharon. And uh, I think I've been back on this for five years now, something like that. So um, definitely looking forward to the year. Yeah, looking forward to the year and and really thankful to be back. So uh, excited. Okay, Mike. That's going to be Mike underscore Rizal on Twitter, Mike double underscore O on Reddit. They haven't banned me from there yet, so get over there and, I don't know, follow follow the entertainment that, uh, that I post on there. Um, got the, uh, an article in the final throws of editorial review, uh, hopefully out here soon, previewing all the changes to cars, teams, numbers, drivers, crew chiefs to look forward to for the 2022 season. Uh, so look for that coming your way. Unfortunately, I'm getting back into the throes of work this coming month here, so this is probably going to be my last show for a little while. I'm not going to say never, but my chances of being on many of the shows this month fall, fall somewhere between NY Racing and the money team. So I'm not going to say no, but uh, you might not hear from me till the middle of the month or so. I'll keep you posted. Look forward to the next time I'm on. Yeah, and and with regard to your article, uh, Mike, there's been some news that's come out here recently that I'm not sure if we've included, things like uh, the possibility of Greg Biffle. I don't know how you feel about including those things uh, in here for the Daytona 500, uh, but you might want to just take another glance at that chart and make sure we've got everybody included is my point. Sure, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll talk to you offline about it. We'll figure out uh, what we want to include part-time teams or anything like that. Okay, okay. Uh, and then, Jay, it's your turn. All right, well, uh, Mike kind of shot himself there. I was going to figure out how to twist that in there with uh, his sightings over the next month as he says all these teams aren't going to show up, and then he wasn't going to show up, but he already <laughs> did that, so I'll, I'll just move on to uh, you can follow me on uh, Facebook, Michael Hoosman, MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, getting ready. Uh, I know I got a go-kart track coming up here mid-February down at Jackson as they've gone to a go-kart track, adding that to the Capital City Raceway as well, which starts March 5th. It will be our opening week there. And uh, getting ready to go full bore into the race season. Sharon mentioned we got first regular show coming up. We got one more podcast to do here uh, prior to the um, duels, uh, doing that on a Wednesday so we can all watch the duels. I know Sharon and I have tried to do that. I uh, thought we were good at multitasking and watching a race and doing a show at the same time. We uh, we learned from that mistake, didn't we, Sharon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, th- I, th- so, I think Sharon asked me if I if I heard her, if I was listening to her, and I said, what? And she said, what? Who was that? <laughs> we both went back and forth and was like, yeah, that didn't work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's kind of hard to, to really keep an eye on everything that's going on on the track and still be able to keep your eye on everything that's going on for the, the radio show at the same time. Uh, so a lot of people think it's pretty straightforward, but there's a lot that you've got to keep your eye on here. Um, 
But, yeah, I uh, definitely am looking forward to this season and working with all of our Fan for Racing crew. The only one I haven't heard back from yet is Sam, and I'm still working on trying to get in touch with him. Uh, so hopefully he will be back. He does our recaps for us. Owen, has, he is definitely coming back. And uh, I also need to touch base with uh, James Bickford. Uh, so we'll, we'll keep everybody updated. Uh, on how our fan for racing crew comes uh, together here. Uh, but I'm excited that we're adding short track coverage to our coverage this year. Uh, we're also applying for credentials and uh, media access for the NHRA this year, so you might hear us uh, interview a few of the uh, stars from the NHRA this year as well. So uh, uh, keep Stay tuned to fan for racing We've got a lot going on this season, and I'm super excited about it and uh, definitely looking forward to our next show. Uh, anything else that anybody wants to mention before we sign off? Or I do that, though. I do want to say I'm at Fanfare Racing site on Twitter and Fanfare Racing blog and radio everywhere else, including our com website. So uh, anybody else have anything they want to mention before we go off? We've got about four minutes here. Yes, here in uh, late breaking news, actually, you mentioned Sam. He did actually just make his uh, class pick, so uh, I believe he oh, does good. intend to be back, it looks like. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy to hear that, uh, that he is coming back with us for our 2022 season. Anybody else have yeah, anything? Yeah, he took, he, t- he took Chase Elliott, so... Uh, the pile is coming up, and I told Brian, just so you guys all know, I'm putting it in the group. Uh, Brian will get a free pick, even if it is somebody that somebody else already has, being that he's uh, new coming back, and uh, he'll get first pick as we go into the Daytona races. Uh, I'll get with him and, and explain how the rules work of of all that, um, that it's mandatory to make fun of Mike at all times. Uh, I don't know if he's aware of that. <laughs> he's been briefed on that. So, <laughs> love you, Mike. <laughs> Give give him the lowdown. Hey, your 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 booze mean nothing. I've seen what makes you cheer. Ooh. <laughs> okay. Anybody else? Okay. Big, well, big thanks. That... Big thanks to you as well, Sharon. Uh, you mentioned that of putting this all together and what you do behind the scenes that that doesn't get talked about. And I know I can speak for for Andy and Mike and. The ones that aren't here, Brian, Sam, what you do and giving us this opportunity. I I mean, for me, it has been just extraordinary um, to go to the track. And I mentioned getting to work with Brian as well and learn from him, uh, from you. And just the opportunity to do this has been just great. So thank you, Sharon. Well, I couldn't do any of it unless you guys were all involved. So uh, it's a cooperative uh, coordination here and uh, reciprocity, if you will, uh, because uh, you guys make fan for racing what it is, and I appreciate everything that all of you do. So thanks again to everybody. Uh, I'm definitely excited for this season uh, and all the new things that we have going on at fan for racing and uh, for this 2020. Call it a wrap, guys. Talk to you next time. Right. Have a We'll see you soon. See ya. Good night, everybody.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.